Hi, this is Chandis Probst from This Vivacious Life, and you are listening to Eat Blog Talk Podcast. Hey, food bloggers. Welcome to Eat Blog Talk. I am your host, Megan Porta, and you are listening to episode 261 with Chandis from This Vivacious Life. Today, Chandice and I are going to talk about how to send any pitch with confidence. Chandice is the bubbly personality behind This Vivacious Life. She is a food and entertaining blogger and the co-author of Gluten-Free on a Budget. Chandice's work has been featured in print and online industry publications, as well as television. As someone with celiac disease and a degree in health science, she has led the charge in hosting celiac awareness nights with MLB and NBA teams around the nation, raising money for research. Oh my gosh, I didn't know that. While she loves to cook and entertain, Chandice loves being a wife and a mother the very most. Oh, I love that bio. And I didn't know that about the MLB and NBA. Those are such great little tidbits there, Chandice. Thanks, Megan. Yeah, it was, you know, after my diagnosis of celiac disease, I wanted to just really jump in. And so I created my food blog. And then I was like, let's do more. And so I was like, hey, Celiac Disease Foundation, what can we do? And I started a support group. And then it was like, let's go bigger. <laughs> and so then doing the celiac awareness nights because my husband loves sports and I loved going to the Diamondbacks game. And I remember being there one night and seeing like an awareness night for something I don't know what it was like maybe lupus or something like that I don't remember diabetes I can't remember and I thought we should have a celiac awareness night with the diamondbacks and that's kind of where it started and then we ended up traveling all across the nation and we um ended up creating gluten-free calendar which was a wonderful business we actually did with Mark Cuban from Shark Tank so that was really fun yeah it was super fun it was a blast and then it kind of it had its run. You know how some things do. We did what we did. And, you know, it was fun to do those celiac awareness nights with the Miami Heat and the Dodgers and all those amazing teams. And then, and then it kind of moved in and we moved on. And now I'm with that just still with the blog and then tastemaker conference. So it's a lot of fun. (laughs) Oh, I love that story. And you're a big dreamer. I can tell already. So I love that about you. That's so cool. So In addition to that, do you have another fun fact to share? I kind of feel like that was a super fun fact already, but do you have anything additionally? Sure. Yeah. And I was going to say, I always joke, I'm the kite and my husband's the kite holder. He keeps me grounded and reminds me what we have time for and what we can do versus I want to do all of it, you know? Oh, love it. So it's good to have a partner like that. Uh, fun fact, I lived in Ukraine and I my favorite vegetable is a beet. So it worked out really well because the national dish in Ukraine is borscht, beet soup. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. I, I'm i sorry, Chandice, but the beet is not my no, friend. <laughs> you're not a beet? Oh, I try so hard. I'm a food blogger, right? So I have to like everything, I feel like. And I've tried so many different ways. And every time I think, okay, this is going to be it. I'm really going to like the beat. And I just can't. And maybe my taste buds will evolve. Maybe I'm holding out hope. But I don't know. Maybe off air, you can share some of your favorite ways to prepare it. And I can try again. Definitely. Well, and I think it's okay that everyone's tastes are different. I like the taste of dirt. And so root vegetables. And like, I love golden milk because golden milk is very dirt, earthy tasting. Beets are earthy tasting. I love, 
you know, all Brussels sprouts, all those kind of like really earthy tasting foods I like. So, and I have another friend who says the same thing. We like the taste of dirt. So we like this. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. That's hilarious. Oh, you're so funny. All right. Well, we have covered a lot of interesting things already, um, but you are here to talk about um, pitches and how food bloggers can prepare and send any pitch with total confidence. So hopefully after this episode, people will have an idea about how to get started with that and just feeling more confident about it. Um, So yeah, let's dig into this. So I guess where would be a good place to start if a food blogger listening is like, I don't know, thinking about working with a brand or sending some pitch in regards to their business, where in the world do they even get started? Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, I think the biggest thing is to keep it like hone in and keep it in 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 house first. So right now, what do you figure out within your own mind? Okay. I would like to, what do you want to do? Do you want to do recipes for restaurants or people? Do you want to take photos? Maybe photography is your thing and you really don't want to do recipe development. Maybe you are super into, I have a friend who has a huge Instagram and she's like, that's where I want to be. I don't want to do anything on any other platform. And she's killing it over there, you know? And a lot of things she does are giveaways. So really the number one thing is to figure out exactly what you want. So what and why those two words, what and why, what do you want? And why do you want it? I want from like, for example, my friend on Instagram, she wants to, she wants to educate her community on natural living. So she's worked with a ton of brands who meet her needs, brands she already used. And, and so now she's worked with them on, on uh, giveaways and, and stuff like that. But she doesn't do recipe development. And that's okay. I have another friend who is a fantastic food photographer. And she's like, I don't want to do recipe development. I just want to take pictures for people. Fantastic. Well, a great way to do that would be to find a brand that aligns with your, your values and what you like. And, and look through their website. Maybe they don't have a library of really good recipes and every brand should on their website. Now, if they have a food product should have a recipe index. And a lot of them still don't. And so reaching out and being like, I see you don't have a recipe index. I would love to take some photos for you. Or or I see you have a recipe index that has recipes, but no photos. I'd love to use your recipes and photograph them for you. Um, So that would be the first place, Megan, is just to figure out the what and the why. What if someone doesn't know? Like, what if we're one of those bloggers that just kind of does it all and we... I hate to use this term, but like trudge along with all of the tasks and we really don't know what our, what our why would be. Oh, absolutely. Well, and that's, that's really great. Um, that's a really great question. There are so many things. It doesn't have to just be food photography, recipe development, Instagram. Okay. So there's lots of things you can do. You could do freelance writing. Maybe you just like to sit behind a computer and write. Um, so we actually have a, uh, pitching webinar, I believe coming up soon for tastemaker and it's free, but we kind of go into detail about that, but just, you can take some notes right now that some of the options out there are freelance writing and recipe development, photography services, videography services, virtual assisting services, social media management, SEO tech, um, masterminds, retreats, cooking classes, event sponsorship, um, cookbook proposal. Maybe you're wanting to do 
an ebook for somebody or a brand or B2B partnerships, consulting and mentoring. There are so many ways that you can work with brands and work with people and make money at this. And those are some of the those are some of the main ones that I that I would suggest. So just thinking through that list, that was a hugely comprehensive list. Um, and just seeing what kind of sparks your interest and what like maybe when you read over it, what from that list makes you go, oh, yeah, I really like doing that. So maybe pinpointing a few and pulling those out. Yes. And I would say choose three, but really hone in on that one. Like, what is it that you love? What fires you up and sparks, you know, your passion for for learning and growing and and that's what you do because you're going to do the best at that. At some point, it's good to diversify our income, right? We've learned about that and to have multiple skill sets, but let's hone in and focus on one. So from that list, what stands out to you? Um, and then and then go from there. Um, so it's not just pitching to brands. We're talking pitching to potentially other food bloggers who need our services. Other food bloggers. Okay, so many things. Okay, so let's let's take a step back. We're pitching to brands. We're pitching to other food bloggers who need our services. I literally just saw a thing yesterday that was like, I create eye-catching graphics for Facebook and I'll create 10 for $50 and they're gorgeous. What do you think? And I was like, yeah, that sounds awesome. <laughs> you know, great, because I don't do that. And uh, 50 bucks, yeah, that would be great. And it probably takes her minutes to do it, you know? And so things like that. Okay, so pitching to brands, pitching to other food bloggers who need our services, pitching to um, publishing houses or editors, if you're going whichever route you're going. I just went right to the publishing house because I was like, this, this is how I do. <laughs> but, but most people have an editor and that makes sense to do it that way first. Um, pitching to TV stations. I have had so much fun on TV. It's probably one of my favorite things to do. In fact, I told my husband, if we moved to a place where they had a morning show, I would be auditioning for that right away. He's like, <laughs> good thing we don't. <laughs> you know? But I love it. I love being on TV. And it is so fast. And there, there is no do overs. And it is, it's not like someone who, you know, there's different talents, but I love that. So pitching to TV spots and and when I lived in Arizona, I had a regular spot on their morning show that I would come on and talk about living gluten-free. And it was at the height of gluten-free living, right? And I mean, it is now, but it's kind of like, it's not as as uh, like hot, I guess. So pitching to TV stations, pitching to radio stations. I've had so much fun doing radio. That is so fun. Pitching yourself to a podcast like yourself to be like, because do you know that when you, everything you do, builds your domain authority. So when I worked or foundations, when I worked with celiac disease foundation or doing a podcast with you or doing a TV spot, all those things link to me, they link to this vivacious life and that increases my domain authority. So we've got to break out of this thinking of like in this box, we need to break out of that and, and think there are so many ways that I can make money doing what I love and there are so many ways I can pitch myself. So yeah, I mean, right there, there was five different ways to pitch yourself. And can I just reiterate what you just said? Getting on podcasts is so huge. And I've talked about this recently. And I feel like 
food bloggers are really hesitant to do things like that. Like TV is more of an acceptable thing for us because we're making food. But often I hear food bloggers say, well, why would I get on a podcast? It's like, you know, just talking. But yes, for the reason that you just said, Chandice, it's so important because you can like spread your domain seed around the internet in such powerful ways, especially if it's a podcast that has good authority too. Having your name and your link associated with that person or that podcast is really powerful for your business. 100%. If you are listening to this, I really hope you put an application in to speak on a podcast within the next two weeks. Please do. because oh, I love you, that. When you type my name on Google, some of the first things that come up after, of course, my own stuff are the podcasts I've been on. Can you believe that? That comes up before the TV stuff. Yeah, it's true. I actually just, this is super coincidental, but I was... um Yeah, I don't know if I want to get super into that, but I was looking at my name on Google. I have a reason for doing that. I wasn't just like randomly stalking my own name. But one of the things that came up was exactly that, a podcast I had been on and I kind of had forgotten about it. I was like, oh my gosh, that's so funny that that popped up. So it is true. Google sees that and they're like, oh, Chandice is an authority in this area. We're going to put her, increase her ranking or whatever. It does. It boosts everything. And I, you know, I don't know if many of you know Casey Marquis. Um, he's incredible. He did an audit on my blog. And one of the very first things he told me is, Chandis, get yourself out there. Come on. Let's get some backlinks, man. And I'm like, all right. And so he's like, you need to be pitching yourself to this, 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 and this podcast. I'm like, all right. And that's from Casey. If you know him, he is the king of SEO. He's like, he knows it all. And he highly recommends food blog getting on podcasts. That's actually why I was looking up my name because I had a chat with him yesterday and he was telling us about um, this thing called the knowledge panel on Google. Are you aware of this? No. It's like the panel that comes up. Like if you type in Megan Porta, there's like this little about blurb that comes up about my cookbook. And I think that's the reason I have one, but not everybody has a knowledge panel. So if you don't have one, you should try to get one. Google how to do it because that increases your authority with Google. So I'm like in this, in the throes of figuring out how to like fill in my knowledge panel. So it's well-rounded and all of that. So yes, there is magic juice there. Yes. And is it the one where if someone types in their name, they click on it and then you can go and learn more about them? Yes, exactly. Yep. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that is one thing Casey told me too, is he's like, you need to have everything on there. All your links like to LinkedIn, Pinterest, Facebook, everything. This is a great place for, for you to have that. So yeah. So pitching goes beyond just traditional, Hey, I want to do some recipe development for you. There's nothing wrong with that, but but that is a very tiny amount of what we should be pitching ourselves for. We've covered a ton of options as far as like who we're pitching. What is our goal and why are we doing it? Now, how do we find the right people once we decide that? Yes. Oh, and you know what? Sadly, the answer, it makes me so sad because I really am not a huge fan of Instagram. I am not. I just don't love it. And But sadly, people respond there so quickly. And so hopping in somebody's DM you know, let's say Bob's Red Mill, you're like, hey, I want to do this. 
they, you can see it's been read within about five minutes. You know what I mean? And they usually will get back to you pretty quickly if they are interested. I feel like the traditional route of going and finding the info at Bob's Red Mail on their website and blah, blah, blah. I mean, you can do that, but I would say hopping in somebody's DM on Instagram is the best way to go. So sad. So sad, but it's true. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny that you were like, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I kind of agree, but it does seem to be more of a direct path to people. Um, But if they can't, if you can't access someone via Instagram, what do you do after that? Yeah, there's a few ways. So some of the best ways to reach people are in Instagram DMs, going to their website and finding a contact in um, email. That's a traditional old school route and it works great. Twitter is another easy one where you can reach out to them directly on Twitter or Facebook. So basically any social media, I just find that Instagram, they're the quickest. Plus they can literally click on your profile and be like, oh, I like her work. Okay, I'll respond. You know what I mean? Your Instagram is basically a portfolio. So yeah. Oh, that's such a good point too. So they see your portfolio and they're like, all right, she's worth responding to or or whatever. Um, So yeah, Pinterest, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all of those, or just a traditional email is fine as well. We are going to take a really quick break in this episode so I can tell you about a few things going on at eBlog Talk. Hey everyone, I'm just popping in to give you a little bit of information about the eBlog Talk Mastermind program. You've probably heard me talk a little bit about this before, but I wanted to give you a few more details because I've been getting some questions. So the mastermind program is underway. However, you can enter the program at any time, assuming that there are slots available and assuming that you are a good fit. If those two things align, you can join the group and then you are in the group for a total of 12 months from the time you start. Also, I want to address who this mastermind program is for. It is for the blogger who is ready to make an investment in their business that will have the biggest impact out of anything you've ever invested in. It is for the blogger who's ready to level up their business growth, upgrade their peer group, and it is for someone who's ready to watch a powerful transformation evolve for you and your business. If you're ready to learn from the best experts in the industry within our guest expert sessions, and you're ready to make yourself and your business a priority, and you are ready to take back your time and move forward with renewed clarity and purpose and commit to your business on a deep, deep level, then this mastermind program could be for you. Go to eatblogtalk.com to join the waitlist if this sounds interesting to you. Um, you will fill out a short questionnaire and I will receive that in my inbox and I will get back to you and we can have a discussion about whether or not this is a great option to move forward with. So again, go to eatblogtalk.com and join the waitlist if you are ready to make this sort of investment in your business. Okay, back to the episode. And do you have any amazingly magic nuggets as far as what to say? I feel like I've tweaked my spiel over the years and it just never seems to be right. Yes. Okay. So this is where we're going to have fun. Okay. This is, this is what I love. (laughs) This is what I love. Um, okay. So the first thing I would suggest is get on a call. I close 80% of my pitches from calls versus 20% from emails and messages. So that's a major difference. Yes. A huge difference. (laughs) So what I would recommend is your very first contact to them is, Hey, I love 
two sentences, two or three sentences, no more than three. I love your pot stickers. They're my very favorite. And I have a fantastic idea for creating a recipe with them that everyone would love. I'd love to hop on a call and tell you a little bit more about what I do and how we can work together. When is a good time? That's it. Super easy. And then do you provide a link right there or do you communicate over email from there? From there, wherever I'm at, I would communicate. So from there, I would like if I'm in an Instagram DM, I would say I would end with that question. What do you think? When would be when would be a good time to hop on a call? And then when they respond, usually then it's, hey, send us more email or more information at our email. And then from there, you hop over to their email and say, so excited that you're interested. Definitely want to hop on a call and then kind of reiterating when would be a great time. If you've already sent the email, if you didn't do DMs and you're in the email, you're already there. So it's that same format. They respond. Most likely what they're going to respond with is, hey, we'd like a little bit more information here before we hop on a call or I have time next week or Thursday, Friday, when works for you. These are my times. And then from there, go ahead. What we tend to want to do because we've done it for so long is just continue the conversation in email. It's really hard to break out of that. Really hard because we've always done that. We've always just carried on a conversation in email. But if you can close 80% of your pitches on a call versus 20% on email, it's definite, wouldn't it be worth it then to cut that communication short and get on a call? Yes, that's gold. That is gold right there because you're right. We get into that mindset that we have to keep doing things the way we've always done them, even though they're not working, by the way, we're going to keep doing it that way. <laughs> yes, yes. And within that email, you, you're, you're already going to start creating this vision that they cannot refuse. So that's the goal. Quote, create a vision they can't refuse. Okay. <laughs> so that's the goal. And so for example, when you send that first email, when then that first two sentences, um, I see that you sell buckwheat flour, but you have no recipes on your website, but you will definitely increase engagement. If you get them, I'd love to help you out there. I have some amazing are amazing ideas, including some buckwheat flour chocolate pancakes that are decadent and delicious. I'd love to hop on a call and talk to you more. At that point, they're like, huh, she has something we need. We didn't know we were missing. Yeah, let's get on a call with this girl. She's going <laughs> to, clearly there's something that we don't have that we need from her. You know what I mean? Oh, yes, so, that's so brilliant. Well, thank you. Hopefully making it about them and not you. So that's the biggest thing is making it all about them, making it all about their product and providing them something that an answer to something that a question they didn't even know they had. Hey, why aren't we maybe getting as much traffic over on our website? Well, because you sell a wonderful product and people are shopping it, but you don't have any recipes for using it, you know? So, Uh so framing it more is like, how can you provide value to whoever you are reaching out to? 100%. It's all about them. It's not about you. It's not about like, Hey, I have so many followers over here and I can't wait to, like show them about your product. I know they'll like, you know, yes, you know, they'll love it, but great. They hear that 50 times a day. What are you giving that nobody else is, you know? So how do we establish our expertise without coming right out and saying all of that up front? Yes. Okay. So number one is mindset. You, you have to believe it yourself before you can sell it. Right. 
And so in your mind, that's why it's good to hone in on what you're good at. If you've focused on one thing, like I am, um, I'm not talking about me personally, I'm saying as an example, because this isn't true, but (laughs) I am incredible at food photography. That's what I do. You are going to already have that confidence. And that's where the infectious enthusiasm stems from. Like, this is what I do. There is no doubt in my mind that I can deliver. Then you can go ahead confidently and pitch yourself in that because you're not like, can I do that? I don't know. Uh, You know, you know, so definitely starting with confidence and mindset. Um, I found when you're incredibly confident and enthusiastic about what you're going to do, it's really hard for someone to say no. Really hard. Yeah. And if someone comes like right up front and says, hey, I'm a really great expert. I know everything there is to know about topic X. It's kind of a turnoff, honestly, don't you think? Like, oh, wow, they sure do think highly of themselves. But if they just ask the question as if they were the expert, like, I noticed that the recipes from your site are missing and, you know, implying that that's what you're really good at. That is a much different message. Yes, I noticed the recipes from your website. You, I see that you have recipes, but no photos. That's actually where um, I shine. And you can say one small thing or, or that's what I love to do. And I, your recipes are fantastic. So it makes sense to have a visual, um, a visual experience for your guests to enjoy while they're reading your recipe. So something like that, kind of using your words to create a vision that those words that are like, I like to say they're decadent words. They're words that they're like, yum, give me more, (laughs) you know? Oh, wow. So yeah, leaving people wanting more, which is kind of ironic because we're all in the business of food, which we often associate with, you know, leaving people wanting more. I use my food descriptive words for everything. Like even in life now, it'll be funny because I'll talk to a friend and I'll be like, oh my gosh, that sweater is so delicious. It's like cozy and just, I love it. And she's like, okay, I love it too, you know? And all of a sudden that sweater has become something else for her, you know? (laughs) (laughs) I do the same thing with weather. I'm always like, this fall weather is delicious. I always use the word delicious to describe non-food items as well. It's so funny. My husband will be like, what does it taste like about something? And I'll be like, it tastes like it tastes like Christmas and he's like what and I'm like you know the experience of Christmas and like the snowfall he's like no just tell me what it tastes like I'm like fine nutmeg clove and cinnamon (laughs) you know (laughs) oh that's hilarious oh I was just gonna say so creating that that vision for them yeah okay yeah I love that how you framed that So once you get on a call with somebody, they agree to do a call with you, hopefully, that's a great sign. Um, Then obviously you talk about what you have to offer, how you can provide value to their station, podcast, brand, whatever, fill in the blank. And then how do you seal the deal? Yes. Okay. So first thing is if they get on a call with you, they are interested enough in your service to move forward. And there's a pretty strong chance you're going to close the deal. If you get them on a call, you should be feeling very, very good, very confident. Um, The first thing I would recommend doing is validating them. This is a wonderful opportunity um, to, to let them know, oh my goodness, you guys have created such an incredible product. Your buckwheat flour has been game changing for my family. I'm gluten free. And so being able to create delicious dishes with a wonderful flour like buckwheat that's also nutritious 
is fantastic. And I want to help you get the word out about that through beautiful photography for your recipes on your website or creating some more recipes that are kind of out of the norm of, of what people would think to use buckwheat flour for. for. So there you go. Right there. That first kind of uh, validation for them. And so you're really taking the focus off of you completely and putting it completely on them and what how their brand or fill in the blank can improve. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, yes, definitely. And I think when you kind of if they give you that, if there's any pushback or doubts like, hey, I have to take this back to the team. I like to leave with a closing pitch or wrapping up that vision. Totally understand. Be sure to let the team know that and and maybe have some stats before you go in, because if they're getting on a call, like I said, they're interested. So they've shown that 90% of, of users prefer a photo in a recipe. So please let them know that this is a great opportunity to increase your readership to the website and drive more traffic, which will then increase sales, you know, something like that. Mm. That's good. Yes, because people like numbers, they like statistics, they want to know that what you're saying actually is founded in some way. If somebody does say, okay, I need to take this back to the team, I'll get back to you. Do you do follow ups? How do you handle that? So the call's not over at that point. We still have two more things. (laughs) So, all right, let's hear it. Yes. So then I would leave them with an incentive that has like a sense of urgency. Like, Sounds great. I definitely look forward to hearing what they think. Um, I can only take one more client this quarter. So and my editorial calendar, I'm going to be finalizing that in the next two weeks. So I'd love to kind of do a follow up call next week or hear from you guys. And, and please let me know if you have any questions, but kind of giving them that sense of urgency with some hard numbers that set clear expectations. Um, And then if they push back on pricing, so sometimes there's a clear pushback and it's, it's because of pricing. I would reiterate the value of what's being provided and detailed deliverables validate their concerns. I totally understand $800 is a lot for a photo. However, a photo is worth a thousand words. You know what I mean? And we've, and again, going back to those numbers and, and validating their concern, but then letting them know why it costs this much and things like that. Chandis, this is gold. I seriously, you need to patent all this information. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just love teaching it. It's like what it's my favorite thing to teach with Tastemaker. That's the, the, you know, pitching is just my favorite because that's what I love to do. In fact, Abby and I, you know, I'm the sponsor director and her business partner. And yesterday she was like, what do you, what do you need from me? And I said, Abby, you know what, what fires me up the most? Cause she's incredible. Like she is doing all kinds of stuff, but she's always good about her team. Like, what can I do to make things better or easier or more wonderful? I said, I love being on calls. Like that's just where I'm happiest. So if, if we have if someone or you are able to put contact info into a document for me and I can just go and do my thing, that is good because that's what I love rather than having to go and find the contact. That is my least favorite part. (laughs) So So doing the calls, that's where your strength lies. So lean into that, right? Yeah. Right. And so going back to your listeners and, and finding out what it is that fires you up and feel the same way and then focus on that. You know, I love doing this. And so this is what I do. But if your thing is photography or your thing is um, mentoring or anything and, and maybe you love TV, that's where you shine, then pitch yourself with TV. If someone gives you a hard no on a call and you guys hang up, 
and you kind of leave them. Well, what do you leave them with? I guess. I've never had like a hard no. It's usually let's think about it. Cause if you've created that picture enough, I don't, I don't know how they say, I mean, I don't know why they'd get on a call if, if there wasn't some interest, do you know what I mean? And so usually it's not a hard no. Definitely there's times when you hear, we're going to take this back to the team or we have to see if we have the budget. I remember some of them feel kind of like a no, but then I would say, okay, definitely remember X, Y, and Z and the numbers and all of that. If I guess if there was a hard no, then I would just simply say, are you interested in having me follow up at a later date? Um, because I know that budget is tight right now. How about quarter two and providing them an opportunity? I know quarter one budget is very tight for you right now. Would you have um, a little bit more flexibility in quarter two? I'd love to schedule a time to follow up then. Is there anything I haven't thought through? We've talked about a lot, like how to find people, getting connected with your why. Why are you doing this in the first place? Being really passionate about it, being confident. We talked through a bunch of different um, opportunities, so podcasts, uh, other bloggers, etc. And then your amazing call format that you go through. What else are we missing? So I think the biggest thing to end with is to remember that you can do anything, but you can't do everything. So create boundaries around your schedule and your office hours that work for you. So you are mentally prepared for being on those calls so that you are mentally prepared to deliver what you've sold, um, have realistic goals and expectations for yourself and your projects. We can't, we, we need to be very mindful of our time and our energy, not to do too much. I had a friend once tell me, she's like, you need to raise your prices. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know. And she goes, you should really only get one yes for every 10, for every nine no's if your pricing is right. And I was like, that's true. You shouldn't be getting all yeses. If you get all yeses, then you know you're not charging enough. And she said, wouldn't you rather do half the work for the same amount of money? And I'm like, yes. <laughs> and so that was game changing. I increased my prices significantly. And I literally went from doing half, went from, went down to doing half the work for the same amount of money. Oh, that's great advice. I think everyone needs to tune into that and maybe like rewind and hear it again because don't you find working with Tastemaker that a lot of food bloggers have that mindset of like doing more, 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 more <laughs> and not charging enough as opposed to what you were saying? Yes. And it hurts the whole community because the truth is, is if there's somebody charging pennies, then then brands are like, oh, well, I can get it for cheaper over here. And it, it devalues everybody's work when you don't charge enough. And so you can think of it as a way to be a good, you know, food influencer community member by charging what you're worth. Yes. Amen to that, Chandice. Oh, my goodness. This has been great. I am ready to dive in and go pitch like 9,000 people now. I'm just trying to figure out who is first. <laughs> yes. And so might I suggest, let's take some action steps. So from this call, once you're done listening, go back and rewind and listen to whatever you need to. But from here, grab a piece of paper and a pen and jot down three things that you are incredible at, that light you up, that are your passions. What are you amazing at? Now put a asterisk next to the one that is like the best, the thing that you are the best at. Then from there, decide on two or three different 
different ways that you could pitch yourself. So maybe you decide, I'm totally going to pitch myself to a podcast because I want to increase my domain authority. I want to share the knowledge that I have in this topic with others. And then, then you also decide, hey, I love working with this Kamut flower brand, uh, brand that I've used forever. Why have I not pitched them? So you're going to pitch a brand and you're going to pitch a podcast. And both are very different. You're not getting paid to do the podcast, but you are getting priceless backlinks and authority. So, right. So yes, to recap, go back and write down a few things that you're incredible at, put a mark next to the one you're the best at, and then decide on maybe two people or places or brands that you will pitch yourself to. Highly suggesting one of them be a media outlet, like a podcast, TV, radio, something like that. And then the other being a brand or a way that you're actually going to be making money. Maybe you're going to be creating those Facebook images for other food bloggers, but something like that. Great action steps. Everybody heed Chandice's advice. And yes, rewind if you need to. There was so much stuff in here. I kind of feel like I would even benefit from going back and re-listening to all of this again. So thank you so much, Chandice, for your time today. I know you're busy and we all just really appreciate you and all this value you shared. Thanks, Megan. It was so fun to come on and I definitely love to meet all of you more over on on Instagram, I'm just Chandis Probst or on the on the blog, it's just This Vivacious Life. And then in person, please come meet me in person so I can say hi and and give you a hug if that's okay. Some people it is and some people it isn't. And I'll respect <laughs> but in, at Tastemaker Conference, we still have a few tickets left to our Tastemaker Conference in Chicago in March 2022. So it's going to be so fun. I am super excited for Tastemaker. I am there with all the bells on. So can't wait to see you there. Um, Do you have a favorite quote or words of inspiration to share with food bloggers beyond all of the amazing stuff you've already shared, Chandice? Uh, My favorite is really just you can do anything, but you can't do everything. We all need to write that on our walls right now and look at it because as food bloggers, we do that, right? We think that we can do it all and we try to and then we get burned out and we get sad. So lovely words to end on. It's okay to do what you're good at. It's okay to not be on every platform. I have chosen. Everyone's like, oh my gosh, do you do TikTok? And I'm like, no, I am not doing TikTok. I'm not doing it. And that's okay. (laughs) You know? Yes, I'm with you. I've kind of banned TikTok from my realm of possibility as well. And people do ask me quite often, why aren't you on TikTok? You should do that on TikTok. Nope, I, I can't. It's I can't. <laughs> you have to protect your mental health. You have to protect your physical time. You have to protect all of those things. And even like with Instagram, I told you I don't love it. And so I set a timer. And if I, I don't go over that timer because it doesn't, I know that over that timer, I start to get drained emotionally. Well, we are on the same page on that, Chandis, for sure. So thank you again for being here. Everyone go check Chandis out on Instagram and your blog is thisvivaciouslife.com, correct? Yes. And we focus on gluten-free recipes that nobody needs to know or even are gluten-free because they're that good and mocktails, um, so non-alcoholic drinks, which are so fun, and then everyday entertaining. Awesome. And we will put together a show notes page for you, Chandis. So if anyone wants to go look at those, you can go to eatblogtalk.com forward slash this vivacious life. So thanks again for being here, Chandis. And thank you for listening today, food bloggers. I will see you next time. 
We're glad you could join us on this episode of Eat Blog Talk. For more resources based on today's discussion, as well as show notes and an opportunity to be on a future episode of the show, be sure to head to eatblogtalk.com. If you feel that hunger for information, we'll be here to feed you on Eat Blog Talk.